Let's pray this morning. Father, we open our hearts to you today because we want you to speak into our lives. Let your word just come alive. Let it just jump off the page, jump off the screen, jump into our hearts and excite us today about you answering our prayers. And Father, we ask you to encourage us this day, draw us nearer to you, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking for a few weeks about prayer, and the, and the title of the series has been Talk to Me. And I really intended to finish it last week, and I, and I really did, but um, God has dropped some things in my heart that I want to follow up with at least one more week, maybe one more besides this. But in our series of talking with God, talk to me, one of the things I've learned is a lot of people struggle with seeing prayers answered. And one of the reasons why people don't pray is because they don't see a lot of prayers answered. And I think there are probably a number of reasons for that. We've already talked about some of them in this series, and I'll refer to those. But I want to begin this morning with, with the simple little concept, and I want you to think this through with me. Prayer is really about partnership and process. Partnership and process. First of all, let's look at, at partnership for just a moment. Prayer is us partnering with God, getting in agreement with God, so that we can see God do in our lives and in the earth what God wants to do. There's partnership, and then there's process. Now, as we talk about partnership, let me just give you a concept from God's Word. The first week of our series, we taught from the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus said, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God, I'm asking you, and if you look at the prayer in the original writings, it's really someone praying, saying, Kingdom of God, come. Will of God be done in the earth. If you go back to the beginning of creation when God created man, God gave man authority in the earth. He gave him oversight over the earth. He said, take care of the garden, take care of the earth, dress it, keep it, take dominion. I give you dominion over the fish, over the fowls of the air, over all the living beasts. He gave his authority, dominion over the earth to man. And in prayer, in our relationship with God, God is trying to reestablish his will and his kingdom upon the earth. And so what God is saying is, I need somebody down there, okay, God's up here, and then people are down there. God's saying, I need somebody down there to partner with me so that I can take what's in heaven and put it upon the earth. And God says, I need somebody down there to partner with me. So the first part of prayer is partnership. It's me coming into a place of partnering and agreeing with God for what God has in heaven and what he wants to do on earth. How many of you know that what God has in heaven is a lot better than what we sometimes have on earth? How many would like to have a little more heaven on earth? Well, the way we get there is through prayer. It's where it begins. So prayer is partnering with God, not just for my selfishness and my self-desires. No, we set that aside. I mean, God wants to bless us. He has great plans for us. But first of all, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven, right here beginning in my life. So I partner with God. But then there's a second part of this. Once we come into partnership with God, the process begins. 
How many have come to understand that answered prayer is oftentimes a process? I got a few amens in the house. A few people are thinking it through. Answered prayer is most often a process. What I'm saying is, in other words, we seldom pray a prayer that gets answered right now. Usually prayers are answered over a period of time. And, and sometimes I think the biggest problem we have with answered prayer is we become impatient and we give up. We become impatient and we lose heart. We become impatient, we stop asking, we stop believing, and we say, well, I guess it wasn't God's will because it just didn't happen quickly. We tend to think that we pray today and God's going to answer immediately. And if he doesn't answer immediately, he's not going to answer at all. Now, let me stop here for just a moment. We need to understand that there are times when God does miraculous things, bam, right now. One of the things I love about our church is at the end of service, we have prayer teams here at the front of the building. And we encourage people at the end of service, come down to the prayer teams and let these pray people pray with you. They're people of faith. They're people who know God answers prayer. And they pray. And the cool thing is oftentimes we see answers to prayer right there. We see healings. We see God intervene and people go home and the next day some amazing things happen. And that's awesome. But that's not always the rule. And yet, for some of us, we have this rule in our head. Well, if it's really God's will, he's going to do it right now. And friend, I'm going to tell you, oftentimes God doesn't answer right now, but God does answer prayer. And then there's some people who become superstitious. Everybody turn to somebody and say, superstitious. Very superstitious. <laughs> do a little Stevie Wonder this morning. Some of you don't even remember that. You need to get more into classical music, okay? Some people become superstitious, holding beliefs that have got no scriptural basis whatsoever. Well, if I pray this way, and if I pray that, well, I heard so-and-so did this crazy thing, and it worked for them, so I'm going to do it. And then we try something out of superstition with no basis in God's Word, and then we get discouraged because things don't work out. And then a lot of people totally change their theology based upon their circumstances. The truth of the matter is they gave up before the answer to their prayers came. We must realize that sometimes the greater the request, the greater the process. Let me, let me illustrate this for you. Two things real quick. You know, I have two sons, Zach. Everybody knows Zach, and some of you know Zane. Zane's involved in our worship team. I remember two stories very prominently about Zane that, that have come to my mind recently. He's not here first service. Zane, are you here first service? I think you'll be here second service. Um, so I didn't ask him if I could do this, so if he gets mad, I'll, I'll just blame it on God and say it was God's idea. <laughs> but when Zane was a little guy, probably six years old, we were going on a church ski trip, and we had several families going all the way to Colorado for a ski, a, a ski trip. We were all excited. We were going to leave on Sunday after church. On Monday, we would be there and start skiing. On Saturday, or Friday night, Saturday, Zane got really, really sick. I mean, he was running a super high fever, very, very dangerously high. Finally, on, on Saturday afternoon, we, we'd prayed for him. We'd asked God to touch him. Finally, on Saturday afternoon, we, we took him to the emergency room at the hospital. I mean, he was a sick, sick boy. He, he was lifeless. And for Zane to be lifeless, we knew something was wrong. So we took him to the, to the emergency room. They ran all kinds of tests, and the doctors came in very, very concerned, very, very grave look on their faces. They said, we've got a really sick boy here. 
And this is a dangerous thing. His fever is so high. And we really believe he's probably got some kind of meningitis. And they went in and they tapped him into his spine and, of course, got spinal fluid and began to run more tests. And in that moment, we got so up, upset, so concerned. We thought, man, we, we, we pray, we've asked God. But how many of you know sometimes we pray a whole lot harder than we do at other times? And I mean, we got really, really, really serious. We began to really pray hard and really seek God right there in the hospital, asking God to touch that boy. And while they're running tests, all of a sudden, Zane's fever begins to break and he begins to feel better and begins to move around, begins to get more active, acting like himself. A little while later, the doctors come in and said, we ran tests and it's not meningitis. We're not sure what it is, but it's really, really serious. And we said, well, look at the boy. He's getting better. The fever's dropping. It's oh, No, no, no. You don't understand. This is serious. By the, by the minute, Zane's getting more and more active. And all of a sudden, Zane looks at us and he starts crying. He says, I am not going to miss this ski trip. I want to go skiing. <laughs> He'd never been skiing in his life, but he wanted to go skiing. Sunday afternoon, we loaded up the car. Zane was feeling better. Loaded up the family, took off to Colorado with the whole group, drove all the, way, all the way to Colorado, got there on Monday. Monday, middle of the day, Zane jumps on skis and starts flying down the mountain full speed. First time on skis. Totally well, totally healed. And it happened, bam, just that fast. Miracle. Sometimes God answers prayer like that. But then there's another situation with Zane. Zane is 33 years old. We've been praying for 33 years for Zane to find a wife. <laughs> Two weeks ago, Zane got engaged. <laughs> this summer, Zane's going to get married. I wish he was here to share in all the excitement. I mean, you have no idea how excited I am. But here's the beauty. Sometimes... Prayer happens right now. Sometimes answers come over a period of time. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people say, why doesn't God answer my prayers right now? After all, he is God. If he's really God, why doesn't he always answer right now? Well, we've already discussed some of the reasons. For example, unforgiveness. Jesus said if you've got stuff in your heart towards people, it's going to keep you from seeing answered prayer. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Some of you probably get tired of hearing this, but if you're tired of hearing this, it's probably because you need to hear it. It's supposed to be funny, too. If, if you're tired of hearing it, it's probably because you need to hear it. Jesus said, if you've got, you got stuff in your heart for people, answers aren't coming. So we need to deal with what's going on in our heart towards people. Second reason, wrong motives. Sometimes we ask for selfish reasons. Sometimes we ask for our ego. Sometimes we ask for things we don't need. They're going to affect us adversely. We need to have our hearts adjusted so we can see answers to prayer. I already, saw, already talked about the fact that sometimes, you know, God's got to move furniture around in the universe to get the, the answer to you. Sometimes your answer is going to come through other people. God's going to provide through others, whatever it might be. If God's going to answer big prayers, sometimes God's got to move things around. And it's all in God's hands. It's all in his work. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time. And we tend to get impatient. You know, time and timing are so important to God. Time for us, but timing for God. So important. But this morning, I want to look at two other reasons why we sometimes don't see quick answers to prayer and why we need to keep praying. The first one 
is we need to understand, number one, that sometimes there is spiritual opposition to the answer to our prayers. Sometimes there's spiritual opposition. I don't want to take time to read it this morning because there's so much to the story that goes on. But in Daniel chapter 10, it's an interesting story where Daniel has received this vision. And Daniel's trying to understand what this vision means. And so when he gets this vision, he starts praying, God, I, I don't understand this. I see it. I understand all the pieces, but I don't know what it means, how it applies to the future. And he understands it's all prophetic and it's about what's going to happen down the road. But Daniel's all, all just tied up inside trying to sort this out. And he starts praying. And he prays all day. Two days. Three days. Becomes a week. Then it gets into the second week, the end of the second week, into the third week. 20, 21 days, Scripture says, Daniel's praying, saying, God, I don't understand this. Show me the answer to this. And suddenly on the 21st day, after, after three full weeks of praying passionately, all of a sudden an angel shows up. The angel begins to talk to him. They have this conversation. And it's a long story. You can read it for yourself. But here's what happens. In this conversation... The angel basically says, Daniel, when you prayed 21 days ago, God sent me to bring this explanation to you. But I was withstood. I, I encountered spiritual opposition, what, what was called the Prince of Persia, a spiritual demonic force over that empire. And he said, I was opposed by this opposition, this spiritual barrier, this opposition, this, this opponent came against me and we had to do warfare. And as a matter of fact, I had to have help come in. Michael, another angel, had to come in and help me break through this opposition. And it may have taken 21 days, but I'm here and I've brought the answer to your prayer. One of the things that I see in this story as I was reading it earlier this week, it hit me so strongly. The partnership between God and Daniel, Daniel and God relying on each other. And God's trying to get this information to Daniel and there's opposition there. But Daniel for 21 days passionately prays and prays and prays until the answer comes. I think sometimes we can't even pray and believe for 21 minutes. Because we think God should do it right now. God, my microwave works faster than you. What's going on here? God, my channel changer, man, I can deal all 200 channels in about 30 seconds. And what are you doing up there? We fail to understand that God knows what he's doing. But sometimes we're praying for things that are so big that we don't understand. It's going to take time for God to get things done because the enemy is trying to get the answer from you. Let me, let me share this with you. Scripture tells us that we have an adversary called the devil. It's what the Bible calls it. We have an adversary, the devil, who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is trying to keep God's blessing from you and God's direction and wisdom from you. And sometimes you've got to stay on your face before God and pray until the answer comes. It may take 21 days, but friends, don't give up. Keep praying because the answer is going to come. Don't stop praying. Remember a few years ago, and I've told this story a couple of times, but every time I hear the story and, and see the video of the story, it just touches my heart. There was a, a gospel singer who I knew of when I was a kid who was very prominent. And later on in his life, as 
I say later on, he was still a young man, but he was a part of a very popular group, and they had opportunities to start singing behind Elvis Presley in Vegas in his worldwide concerts years ago. And this, this young man was actually the son of a preacher. And when I say the son of a preacher, actually he was raised by his uncle because his dad was nowhere in the picture. But his uncle took him in when he was just a, a little bitty guy and raised him as his own son. And he called his uncle his dad his whole life growing up. Got into the music business, became so successful in gospel music. And now he's, at that time he reached the height of it all because he was singing with Elvis Presley. But somewhere along the line he got off track. And first it was alcohol and then it was drugs. I saw him one night on stage at a gospel concert and he was so high he couldn't hardly stay on the stage. They were having to hold onto his coattails to keep him from falling off. Sad situation. This young man who was raised in a pastor's home got so far off track. And finally when time had passed, he began to lose things. First he lost his money with, with drug habits. Even though he was making a lot of money, he began to make a fool of himself in front of people. He lost his wife. He lost his children. Finally, he reached a place where everything he'd ever lived for, even though it looked like he's on top of the world, everything he'd lived for was gone, and he had no future. And one day on the top of one of the high-rise hotels in Las Vegas, he climbed out on the balcony, got out on the railing, and was about to jump to his death. As he sat there on the rail, he just said, God, I've wasted it all. I've thrown it all away. I've reached a place where I don't have any life, any reason to live. I'm going to end it all, but if there's any mercy, any grace for me up there that can change my life and turn me around, please help me before I jump. And as he prepared to jump, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just began to overwhelm him. He began to weep and cry, and he crawled off that rail back into his hotel room, and there he had an encounter with God that totally freed him and changed his life. But here's the interesting part of it. When he tells his story... He also tells the part of the story that says, for years, years, he said, my daddy, back down south, ate one meal a day and fasted the other two meals and prayed for me for years and years and years. Friend, we tell the story of the prodigal son and we talk about the prodigal left home and took his wealth and went and wasted it all. That didn't happen overnight. It happened over a period of time. We don't know how long it was, but the one picture of that story that stirs my heart is the fact that whatever period of time it was, when that prodigal got sick of the pig pen and decided he was going to go back home, when he was heading down the road, his dad was on the front porch looking down the road for him. Friend, I got to tell you, no matter where your kids are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where your grandkids are, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep believing God because God is going to answer those prayers. Don't give up. Don't give up. It may take 21 days, 21 weeks, 21 months, 21 years, but God is going to answer those prayers. Sometimes there's spiritual oppositions, and I, I got to say this this morning. You know, we're, we're praying for God to do some new things in our church. We're praying for God by his spirit to do things he's, that we've never seen before. I feel like God dropped it in my heart a few weeks ago. He's going to do things we've never seen. I want to see that. But I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a lot of spiritual opposition that comes before we see that. And we can't just pray today and expect it all to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen over a period of time. But we need to be praying now and praying and praying and praying and praying until we see God do everything he wants to do.
It's the heart of God. We need to pray. Then the second thing, look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I want to show you one verse of Scripture. I think the second thing that we need to understand about answered prayer is we need to have enduring faith. We need to have enduring faith. I mentioned microwaves a few moments ago. You know, things happen so fast in our society today. The way we communicate, I mean, everything is bam, bam, bam. This information age, everything is so fast that sometimes... We make our prayer life and our faith life so fast. It doesn't happen like that. We think something's wrong. Let's look at Mark chapter 11. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I want you to do something with me. I want you to read this verse with me right out loud. We're going to read God's word together. I want you to quote it with me. Here we go. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, this is at the end of a conversation Jesus has with his disciples, and I don't have time to teach through the whole thing this morning. But I want to show you some principles about faith and prayer that we need to understand. I am convinced one of the greatest reasons people don't receive from God is because they, they give up. For whatever reason, they give up, they lay aside their faith, and they say, well, God's not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Forget about it. Forget about it. And there's some things that we need to understand about this passage of Scripture. It begins, and if you would, just leave that verse up for a few minutes, because I want to refer, refer to it a few times. Jesus said, therefore I say to you, in the original writings, and I'm going to walk through this verse from the original writings and show you some things. In the original writings, what Jesus says here, when he says, therefore I say to you, Jesus basically says, let me lay out for you how this works. Let me lay it out for you. Let, let me lay it out before you so you understand it. Let me make it really clear. I just want to lay the whole thing out in front of you. Here's how this prayer and answered prayer thing is going to work. Number one, he says, all the things you ask for when you pray. Whatever things you ask for when you pray. Whatever things, plural, whatever things you ask for when you pray. Let me ask you two questions. Number one, are you praying? Are you praying? Are you talking to God? Yes. Every day, are you talking to God about things? We need to be talking to God every day. Jesus said, whatever things you ask for when you pray. If you're not praying, you're not asking God. If you're not talking to God, you're not asking God for anything. Whatever things you're asked for. And the second thing, second question, are you asking God for all the things you need? It's interesting when you look at the original writings, whatever things, whatever things, whatever things, it means all the things. I've studied it and studied it and studied it. It means the whole, everything, 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 whatever kind of needs you might have. Whatever things you need, are you praying and are you asking God for those things? How many people in the house don't like to bug God much? See, I'm, I'm kind of that way. I'm, I'm a typical man. I'll figure it out myself. 
I'll figure it out myself. I'll just do it myself. You know, I'll suffer through that. I don't want to bother God with this. He expects me to handle this. It's amazing how many times I end up at a dead-end street in the middle of a mess because I tried to do it all by myself. Anybody else in the house understand what I'm talking about? How many times do I say, well, I want to bug God with these things. God says, if you can't handle it, talk to me about it. Ask for the things that you need. Romans 8, 32 says, God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? God wants to give us the things that we need in this life. God wants to give us the things that we need for our health, for our strength, for our own provision. He wants to give us the things that we need to accomplish all he's called us to do. And if we're focused on those things, we can expect God to give us those things. But we need to be praying and asking God for the things that we need. A couple weeks ago on Wednesday night, we were praying here together, maybe three Wednesday nights ago. We were praying. Oh, and by the way, we're going to keep praying on Wednesday nights this entire month. So if you want to come join us from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock on Wednesday evening, child care is provided for those up through fifth grade. Then we have youth service going for the older kids, older students. Uh, but here's the thing. We were praying about three, three Wednesday nights ago, and, and I shared it with everybody here. I felt like God said, ask big. Ask big. Ask big. Because most of us tend to ask small. So we're not disappointed. Or, well, God's not pleased enough with me to do big things, but he might do a little thing. You can't, you can't earn your salvation. You can't earn any of God's provision. It comes by grace through faith. And it touches the heart of God when we come to him in faith and we ask for things. As a matter of fact, let me ask you one more thing. Are you asking God for the desires of your heart? Boy, it's really quiet in here this morning now. Yeah. Are you asking God? Psalms 37, 4, the psalmist said, delight yourself also in the Lord. You know what it means to delight? The word delight means be pliable in the hands of God. Delight yourself in the Lord. Let God shape your life and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Did you know that most of us have good desires in our hearts? I know there's probably one or two of you out there. I don't know if you're Panthers fans or Broncos fans. I don't know. I don't know that one or the other matters. But there's some of you out there, you may have a, a wrong desire in your heart. But for the most part, the desires of our hearts are good. And if we're pliable in the hands of God, God is taking the wrong desires from our hearts. He's showing us those things. The question is, are we asking God for the desires of our heart? The things we really want to see God do in our lives, the things he's promised to us. Are we asking God for those things? This week I was talking with a pastor friend of mine. He told me a really interesting story. When he was a young man, his life was really upside down for a few years, didn't know anything about God, and became an alcoholic at a very young age, became a drug addict later on, got into all kinds of third world religions and eastern religions, all kinds of stuff. God miraculously saved him, but after he got saved, he had some really nice guitars, because he was into music, played guitar and sang and so forth. Had some really nice guitars, but God began to deal with him about sewing those guitars, about giving his instruments to people who would use them for ministry. So he started giving those instruments away to other people. And he had some, one guitar that was really, was kind of his pride and joy, a very rare guitar. There were only a few of them ever made. And he felt like God dropped it in his heart and said, you need to sew that into this guy's life, give it to him. And he said, I gave that guitar away 
And he said, I didn't even think about it. And he said, a few months later, I, I had no guitars, no musical instruments. I wanted to sit down and play one day. And he said, I just prayed and said, God, you know, I, I gave away that rare guitar that I really loved. He said, God, could you bring me another guitar like that? And he said, as sure as I'm talking to you, he said, I heard the voice of God as clear as I've ever heard it. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, you know what? It's going to take me some time to do that. Would you be willing to settle for something very similar? This guy said, well, yeah, God, sure, you know, if, if that's what's best. God said, okay. He said, a few days later, somebody gave him another guitar very similar, but it was even more rare and more valuable. Now, I'm going to tell you something. People, yeah, this is so frivolous. Why is it frivolous? I need, to, I need to tear up somebody's theology right here. When we get serious around here, we sit down. If things are sin, if wealth is sin, then God's the biggest hypocrite in the universe. Because God owns everything. Some of you need to have some things broken in your mind and broken in your heart. Well, things aren't good for you. They are. Is money bad? I'm going to tell you something. We're supporting missionaries to preach the gospel all over the world. We're going out and preaching. This year, Ann and I are both going to India. I may be going to Vietnam again. We're going all over the world preaching the gospel. You've got to have money to do it. Don't tell me money's evil. Money's neutral. What you do with it becomes good or evil. And God's got everything. Well, God doesn't want to bless us because God knows that we're evil people. You don't think God can change our hearts? That's what we preach. That's what we teach. Well, I'm not sure about this. We'll just go home, read the scriptures, and ask God to show you. God will show you. Doesn't mean God's going to put us all in a position where we don't have to trust Him. Of course, we're going to have to trust Him. That's God's will for us. But we need to understand God wants to bless it. And some of you need to start asking for the desires of your heart. What's the scripture say? What, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, number two, believe. Believe, believe. The word there for believe is the word pistis, it's the word faith. It's the word from which we get our word faith. Believe, have faith. Have faith for what? Believe that you receive them. So number one, he says, whatever things you ask for when you pray, ask, pray, talk to God, ask for things. Number two, believe, have faith that you receive them. Have faith that you, well, I don't know if God's going to do it or not. God may not know either if you don't know. Well, I just don't know. What does his word say? Well, his word said he wanted to give it to me. Then we need to believe for it. Believe what? Not believe that he might answer. Not believe he could answer. Believe that we receive them. The word receive in the New Testament almost always means to reach up and take something that's been given to you. Isn't that how you got saved? Isn't that how you received salvation? It, grace was extended to you, and by faith you reached up and you took it. There's grace and there's faith. It's the same thing in our entire walk with God. There's grace extended to us, and by faith we reach up and take what God has promised to us. It's the same thing. Believe what? Believe that you reach up and take what God has promised to you. Believe you reach up and take the desires of your heart that God wants to give you. Reach up and take the provision that you need for your life. Reach up and receive and take what God says he wants to give you and what you've been praying for. So here it is. Number one, I ask and I have faith to believe what? That I've received it. 
Now let's, let's stop for a minute here. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.1 1 says what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. He says, believe, have faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of what we're believing for. It's evidence even when it hasn't been manifested in our own lives yet. In other words, when you have faith, you already have hold of it before it ever shows up in your life. So what do you do? You pray and you ask, and then you believe that you've got hold of it, and you stand in faith until it's totally manifested in your life. Look at it again. Let's read it. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. Several years ago, I was pastoring out of state, and God dropped in my heart. I was out mowing the yard one day. It was hot. I was sweating. Mowing the yard, and I'm just kind of praying, talking to God as I'm mowing, you know, because motor's running, nobody can hear me, and I'm just having my conversation with God. And all of a sudden, God drops in my heart and says, I want you to go back to Southern California and start a church. But that was a big step of faith. And I began to pray about it and began to pray and began to pray. And that thing grew and got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And listen, listen closely. I prayed for two solid years, and this thing grew inside of me. And while I'm praying and it's growing inside of me, God's moving furniture around the universe for two years. And the last weekend, I've told this story before, the last weekend before I was going to leave to move back out here from, from the state of Arkansas, you know, it's called the land of opportunity. I took my opportunity and got out of there. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I made somebody mad. <laughs> just kidding. That's just, just being funny. I love Arkansas. Where was I? The weekend before I'm going to leave, I don't have, I've got enough money to, to get the truck and put gas in the truck, but I don't have any money when I get to California. Begins to dawn on me, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to trust God. The last weekend I'm in Arkansas, I, I go and preach two places. One is a little country church of about 100 people. And they, that day, God spoke to that church, and they gave me their entire church savings to go start another church, $17,000 to go start a church in California. Little country church. And then that night I went and preached at a church in, uh, in Muskogee, Oklahoma, I don't need to sing about that this morning, do I? Everybody knows about that one already. Preached in Muskogee, Oklahoma. And, I, you know, honestly, I'm not sure why I was there, except I had friends there. I preached the message. That night, as I got ready to leave, this man came up and introduced himself. And he said, I'm back here on business, but I live in Orange County, not far from where you're going to start your church. And he said, I don't know why in the world Orange County needs another church, but if God said it, so be it. And I sense it's really burning in your heart. He said, when you get to California, look me up. Here's my phone number. Little old guy, kind of stooped over, didn't walk too well. I got out here and got settled in. I called this guy. He said, let me take you to lunch. He showed me all around the different areas. And then he said, are you sure this is God? And I said, yes. He said, okay, if you're sure. He said, Did you, have you found a building yet? And that week... We found a brand new large hotel, luxury hotel, that had a big ballroom where we could have church. We got everything set up. I said, yeah, I've got a place to meet. Everything's falling right into place. He said, okay, me and my brother are going to pay your first six months rent. Wow. You know what? You know why that happened? Because for two years, for two years, 
I was wrestling with that thing and praying with that thing and praying over that thing. And God was, God just happened to have that man in that church service halfway across the country on a Sunday night to hear about what was going on. Number three, the third thing. Therefore, I say to you, number one, whatever things you ask when you pray, number two, believe that you receive them. Number three, and you will have them. What it literally says is, they will exist. Those things you've prayed for, they will exist. It's the future tense of it exists. It means they will be there. They will be. Now, between two and three, believe that you receive them and you will have them. How much time is in there? We don't know. We don't know. But because God's not bound by time, God's up there moving furniture around. He's changing people's hearts. God's doing all kinds of things, and we're getting in a hurry. Like, okay, God, hurry up. We've got to go. Come on, God, let's do it right now. Come on, come on, come on. Relax, relax. Your job is to believe. God's job is to be God work it all out. Let me say that again. Let me reverse it. God's job is to be God. How many can get on board with that one? My job is to believe that God's going to be God and do what he said he would do. Believe that you receive them. Jesus didn't say how soon God would answer the prayer. But he said God will answer it. So stay in faith. Stay in faith. When somebody asks you about it, tell them what you believe. It's coming. God's promised. It's coming. I prayed. I'm continuing to pray. It's coming. Here's how I like to say it. When you pray for things in faith, you hold it in your heart before you hold it in your hand. Keep praying. Keep believing. God will bring it to pass. And then one last thing. There's a story, and I referred to this a couple Sundays ago, but I want to come back to it. Luke chapter 18, let, let's put these verses on the screen. First of all, verse number one. I'm going to tell you a story, but I want to show you the, the header and then the ending of the story. It says that Jesus spoke a parable to them, his followers, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Leave that up there for a minute. What does God want us to do? He wants us to always pray and then what? Not give up. Not give up. To get discouraged means to be disheartened, to have your heart broken and you separate your heart from something. We pray, we ask God for something, we wrap our heart around it, then what do we do? We stand in faith and we don't lose heart. Jesus told them a story so that they would, number one, pray, and number two, not lose heart. God wants us to pray and not lose heart. And here's the story. I'm going to tell it to you, and I'll come to the last verse. There was this widow woman who came to this judge. This judge did not fear God. He had no respect for men. He was just kind of a rebel, did what he wanted to do. And this woman came to him and said, there's an adversary who's taken advantage of me and stolen from me and treated me wrongly. I want revenge against my adversary. And the judge said, I'm not interested. Go away, don't bug me. But evidently she just kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back. And finally the judge said to himself, you know what, I don't fear God. I have no respect for men, but this woman is going to drive me crazy. How many ever had a neighbor like that? You ever had a neighbor like that? <laughs> this woman is going to drive me nuts. And finally, the judge went to her and said, when she came, the judge said, okay, I'll take care of it. I'll do what you want done. And then 
Jesus said, how much more will our Heavenly Father not speedily answer our prayers? You see, we think, well, God's not moving. God's moving furniture around the universe. Just be still and let him finish. He's working it out. It's going to be better than you ever thought. And then we get to verse number 8 of this chapter. And when Jesus finishes the story, here's what he says. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? What's the question here? Are people going to believe? Are people going to stay in faith? When Jesus returns, is he really going to find people standing in faith? Is he? I want to see people stand in faith. One of my favorite scriptures that I learned as a kid, Isaiah 40, you see it on all kinds of plaques and pictures and things. And I'm, I'm finished with this, so hang on there. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? In the original writings, that word wait, it, it, as oftentimes is the case in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, many words give us pictures. The word wait means to wrap yourself or entwine yourself around something else so it becomes one. In other words, it's like three cords that you weave together and make a braid. What it says is, they that wrap themselves and braid themselves around the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. Run and not be weary, walk and not faint. What it literally says is wrap yourself around God and his promises and what he said he would do and just stay there in God. Stay there in God and let him work. Let him work. Last Sunday, and I'm, I'm finished. Last Sunday, we prayed some big prayers. Today, we're going to pray some additional big prayers, maybe some bigger prayers. Some of you might be really encouraged to pray a really big thing for some things that you're needing and desiring in your heart. But I want to tell you, before we pray, God wants to answer your prayers. But he wants us to ask and believe and stand in faith until the prayer is answered. He wants us to believe him and have faith. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And here's what I want you to do. If, if you've got something in your life, I don't care if you prayed for it last Sunday and the Sunday before and the Sunday before for 48 Sundays. I don't care. If you've got something in your life, something in your heart you want to see God do, I want you to just hold your hands out like this and, and right in front of you, right there where you are. I want to lead you in prayer. Father, we lift our needs to you. You said whatever things we ask when we pray, God, we're praying right now. We're asking for things. God, you know what's in my heart, what's in Ann's heart today, the thing that we're believing for this year. God, you know what's there, and, and we ask you in Jesus' name to begin to maneuver, begin to work, begin to move furniture around to make this come to pass. Father, I set myself in agreement with everybody else in this room. God, we're going to wrap ourselves around you today. We're going to get so entwined in you that, that we, we can't tell where you begin and where we end because we're just wrapped up in your promises. God, braid us together in faith around you and your word and what you said you would do. In the name of Jesus, God, we ask right now all over this building, some things are physical, spiritual, material, mental, domestic. Maybe it's something for someone else, but God, whatever it is, we're asking right now in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for everybody in the house. Help us not to give up but to believe, to stand in faith, to grab hold right now, to hold in our hearts 
what you promised, what we've asked for, to hold it in our hearts, to walk it out every day, to ask, to thank you for it, to believe, to just get in agreement with you and say, God has done this in my life, to stand in faith until it comes to pass, Father, until we see it happen. Give us the strength to trust you. Give us the faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are still bowed for just one more moment. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're not in relationship with God and maybe you're saying, man, this all sounds great to me and, and my heart's really in this, but I, I don't know. I just don't know, how to, I don't know how to walk this out because I don't know God. If that's you today, let me tell you, God loves you so much. He put his own son on a cross to pay for your sins that you could come into relationship with him. God wants you in his family. And he extends forgiveness. He extends eternal life to you. He extends a life to you like you've never known before. But you have to reach up and take it by faith. And the way we do that is by opening our hearts and saying, God, I believe. Opening our mouths and praying a simple prayer and saying, God, I need you in my life. I want to lead everybody in this room in a prayer right now and give you a chance to wrap your heart around what God's promised to you. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer right out loud. If you don't know God, you've never known God, or maybe you've just gotten a million miles away, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer and open your heart. There's nothing magic about my words. This is not superstition. It's us responding to God in faith. Let's pray this prayer. Everybody pray this. Say, God, I need you. And I open my life to you. Please come in and fill my life. I want you to be my father, and I want to be your child. I believe in Jesus. He's the Son of God. He died for my sins. You raised him from the dead. I trust Jesus as my Savior. And I make Jesus the Lord of my life. So God, I will learn to follow you. I will learn to walk with you one day at a time. And I will see your hand at work in my life. Thank you for loving me and receiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we just welcome people into God's family this morning?